Hey guys, this is episode three of Life of a Small Biz Mama, and on today's episode, I am interviewing Wes, aka Daddy Butterfly, aka my husband. How do you feel about being on the show? Uh, I feel good about it. I just am dreading the part where we have to listen to our, all this back over again and edit it because I can't stand the sound of my voice. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, can, I can agree. I don't like the sound of my own voice. It's kind of annoying, especially when you have to edit and listen to it like a million <laughs> times. Um, but you're fine because you have, you have a delightful voice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know everybody's going to ask if you can hear his twang. Where are you from? I'm from North Alabama. Specifically North Alabama. Is there more of a twang in North Alabama versus South Alabama? Yeah, you get a little closer to Louisiana and they start talking like Boomhauer. (laughs) (laughs) Okie (laughs) dokie. He is from Alabama. Obviously, we're in Colorado. So um, what brought you to Colorado? Basically, I just wanted to further my career. I just started tattooing, and the economy is a whole lot better out here in the West, particularly Colorado, than in Alabama. I have more opportunity to learn and grow as an artist. Who did you come out here alone? I came out here with my cousin. Oh. So, was it your cousin's idea to come out here, or was it your idea? It was my idea. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I yes, thought you did. No, I didn't. I really didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was I my thought idea. cousin was I thought your cousin was like, "Do you want to go to Colorado?" and you no. were like, "Sure." And then you I told him I was going to Colorado. I was wanting to move out here, and he said, "Okay, let me sell all my shit." <laughs> <laughs> so, he sold all of his shit and we moved out here. Dang. Okay. Yep. So, you came out to Colorado and how long was how long were you out here before you and I met? I got out here in June. I think uh, I think we left on the first of June in Alabama and got out here on the third, and then me and you met on the sixteenth of August. So that was two thousand fifteen. So yeah, I guess That's he like was two months. He was out here for like two months before him and I met, and him and I actually met in the tattoo shop that he started working at. Um, I I didn't even plan on going to that tattoo shop that day. I was actually just driving by, but I had a piercing. I had a dermal that I needed changed and I couldn't do it by myself. And while I was driving past the tattoo shop, I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to stop in here really quick and get this changed. And I'm glad I did because I got me a hot Southern man. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I was in there and I felt this guy burning a hole in my head and he kept staring at me and I looked over at him and I had like a really shitty tattoo on my wrist. It wasn't shitty. It was kind of shitty. it It just needed a little TLC. Well, he said he could do the little TLC that day. <laughs> and, I, and so, let's see. So then I sat down on his chair and he, uh, he fixed my tattoo up. And on it or in it? I sat on it. I sat on it in your booth. (laughs) And you fixed my tattoo. And we started talking. 
and I was texting my mom actually while he was tattooing me and I was like oh my god mom I'm getting tattooed by this hot southern white guy yum and then he asked me if I wanted to hang out after the tattoo sesh but I had to work because at that time I was working at Starbucks and I told him I told him I had to work so I said, you should give me your phone number and then we can hang out sometime. So I was actually the one that asked him for his digits. And it was actually all over after that because we started texting. He ended up, after he got off of work, he ended up coming to my Starbucks location and saying hey to me. And I just was like, oh my God, this guy's so hot. His accent is so hot. <laughs> And as soon as he left from visiting me, I went and grabbed my phone and we were texting nonstop. And it was literally from that day forward, we've been an inseparable. Would you agree? Yeah. We've literally been together since the day we met. It has now been eight years together. We just celebrated um, five years of marriage. We got married on our eight year anniversary. And it was to make it easier for him because he forgets dates. No, we got no. We didn't get married on our eight-year anniversary. We got married on our anniversary. Yeah, but it's eight years later. Yeah, so we got married we when we for three years. we dated for three years, and then we got married on the same day that we started dating. Yeah. So all together, eight years together, five years married, and it's been great. He's still hot. I still love his accent, although. The longer he is in Colorado, the less of an accent he has, at least to me. Other people still hear his accent, uh, but I, it does, it's not as strong as it was before, which is fine. He's still hot. I haven't been home in a long time, so when yeah. I go back home, it, it tends to thicken a little. Okay, um, so before we start getting into how you um, started your tattoo career, what is your background? What did you do before tattooing? I've done a couple of different things, obviously. Um, I started out my adult career in the United States Army. The best branch of the military that the United States has to offer. Uh, I started out that. I planned on doing 20 years. Uh, things happened that didn't work out for me. Uh, when I got out of that, I went into civilian law enforcement because that's what I did in the military. I was a military police. Got out of the military, went to civilian law enforcement, <clears throat> did that for a few years and realized that, for one, I wasn't making enough money, and two, it just wasn't what I thought it was. Um, and... I just, it, I spent my whole life preparing to do that career because I've always wanted to be both. I always wanted to be a military police and I always wanted to be a police officer. And luckily for me, I got to do both. It just, it wasn't fulfilling enough for me and I needed more out of life. And a transition from that to essentially becoming a tattooer. That's that's pretty awesome. So you were in the military and then you were in law enforcement and then you transitioned from such a serious career to the tattoo industry. Um, so what made you, what, what specifically made you want tattooing? 
Like, did you always have like, um, like, did you always kind of want to be a tattoo artist? Did you know people that were in the tattoo industry? Like what made you decide tattooing was the direction you wanted to go? Cause I mean, there's so many different careers that you could have ventured from law enforcement, but you went to tattooing. So why, why tattooing? Well, <clears throat> I got my first, how it all started is I got my first tattoo when I got back from my first deployment. And <clears throat> I remember how that felt kind of like a release. Yeah, tattoos hurt, but it's a release of your emotions and your your mind. It's just a good distraction from things. So I got my first tattoo, and about eight years later is when everything, eight, eight, nine years later is when everything was transitioning from the military and law enforcement to tattooing. I felt lost because I didn't know, I did, I, I'd spent my whole adult life and as a child not getting in trouble and stuff like that to prepare myself for law enforcement and a career in the military. And going from that to not being a soldier or not being a police officer anymore, I lost my identity and I needed some type of therapy. And I chose the ink therapy route. And so I had remembered what that release felt like when I got my first one. And it was eight years later, I started going and getting tattooed by this guy. And I kept going to him. Every payday I had, I would go to him. And that kind of, this career fell into my lap because I would always ask him questions. Like, while I'm getting tattooed, like, how do I see, how does he see the needle? How does he know what to do when he's at this particular area of the tattoo? And, like, it was just intriguing for me. Not that I thought I could do it, but. Mm-hmm. Just because it was just interesting, and that short, st- long story short, that's how it came to be. Uh, over the course of about a year of me doing that, very frequently, about every two weeks, I was getting a tattoo. Over the course of a year, he Thanks. just asked me if I was interested one day, and I said, "Yeah, if he thinks I can do it." Interested in getting a apprenticeship? Yes. Okay. And starting an apprenticeship because at that time. <clears throat> when I first started getting tattooed again, I was getting military tattoos just because I knew I wouldn't regret them. And then I started venturing off a little bit and realized that I could halfway draw, I guess. So I started drawing my own tattoos out and going to get them done. And he was seeing, the, I guess, the artistic ability, ability that I so-called had. <laughs> <laughs> so you you didn't really... Like, did you ever draw before? No. You never did, like, any sort of artwork in any sort of medium? You never did any art beforehand? To get a little bit more personal, I was drinking a lot after I got out of law enforcement and the military because, like I said, I had lost my identity. I wasn't any of those things that I had worked so hard to be anymore. And I started drinking a lot. One night I decided that... Instead of drinking, I'm going to just try to draw to get my mind off of it. And that's how I discovered that I could draw. I was probably like wow. 24 to almost 25-ish. Somewhere around in there. 
Wow. So do you even remember what your first drawing was that yeah. you did that you realized that you could draw? I had a Batman <laughs> comic book, and I wanted to draw the cover of it. And that's what I practiced on all night instead of drinking. And then the next night, I did the same thing. And just it just went from there and started drawing DC characters, like, you know, Batman, Robin, Penguin, all that fucking shit. That's not even my favorite stuff, but <laughs> that's just what I've hyper-focused on that night in right. that first week, and then that just turned into holy shit. Wow. So really, um, artwork became a way, like a like therapy for you, mm-hmm. essentially. It was an escape. And brought you back to finding your identity, mm-hmm. would you say? Giving me a purpose, finding a new identity, aside wow. from what I had prepped for my whole and that started you said when you were like 24 25 yeah somewhere around in there right before I started my apprenticeship probably about a, I would say maybe a year before I started my apprenticeship was when I started drawing and I'm sure like growing up <clears throat> because like you said you always wanted you knew that you wanted to be in the military and I know you've mentioned before that after 9-11 happened um it really pushed you to pursue that career and then from there you know you became military police from there you wanted to be in law enforcement and you segued into artwork but like that was like later on Mm -hmm. you know in your I mean in your mid early 20s you never even considered that this would be a your end game I guess no coming from a small town too there's literally like probably like 5,000 people in my hometown, which there's probably more now because all there is to do back there is <laughs> make babies. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I'm not okay. kidding. But, make uh, babies. <laughs> people are bored out there is what you're saying? Yes, very bored. Would you but, say uh, all of Alabama or just certain parts of Alabama? No, just certain parts. Okay. Majority of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's like two or three big, huge cities and that's it. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, no, I th- I thought my mentor honestly was full shit because he would always say, oh, well, this career can take you wherever you want to go and it's up to you how far you can take it and you can, your wildest dreams could come true. And I was like, yeah, fucking right. And that's why you're in Arab, Alabama, you know? Yeah, so and did, you, had. did you think that he was just trying to sell you uh, a fake um, like facade no, of what not necessarily I just did I, I mean it's just hard to believe that shit okay uh, I didn't especially I mean, like just out there being small yeah, town but I knew he had done the same thing mm-hmm. uh, and obviously now he has been tattooing over 30 plus years and he's still going wow he's gonna try to make it to 40 plus so were you the first person that he no okay so you weren't the first person no. he mentored no, he, I'm the. I think if I'm not mistaken, I'm the first successful person that has actually went far and done well outside. Me and then the guy that apprenticed after me. Mm-hmm. So he really, apprenticed more people after uh, he apprenticed you. <clears throat> uh, he's ta- he did an apprenticeship right after me for a tattoo, and then I know he like he's a piercer too, so. That apprenticeship's a little bit different and not mm-hmm. as serious as a tattoo apprenticeship, but uh, yeah, one more guy after I did. How long did your apprenticeship take? Mine took a year. Were you still in law enforcement when you started your apprenticeship? 
So I had literally put in my resignation right before all that happened. Right before you started. Right. Because I knew, I mean, he asked me and, you know, I had to make decisions and prepare for that. And I told him, I was because he told me that uh, I was going to have to pay for it. Uh-huh. Because, like, if he's going to give, and I understand it now, and I understood it then, but if he's going to pass on his knowledge to me, I need to have skin in the game, too, to make sure I'm going to show up and take it seriously because this shit is serious. Right. This is hard. It's hard work. And you can't really have skin in the game unless you have a lot of fucking money in the game, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my apprenticeship was $5,000. Okay. Best $5,000 I ever spent in my life. But So, I, if you... Sorry. If you stopped... If you put in your resignation with law enforcement right before starting your apprenticeship and your apprenticeship was $5,000, what did you do for money? So <clears throat> that was the whole transitioning period because I really didn't know like what I was going to do. I knew I wanted to tattoo and start an apprenticeship. I just really didn't know how I was going to make that happen. But I told him, I was like, if you let me work it off, and we can send a contract and, you know, go get it notarized. And we did. But um, I was like, I'll pay you every paycheck. We can break it down to how much it will be to come out to, like, every single paycheck. And uh, he agreed to that. And I was actually, I had gotten a little job at Walmart. And that's, honestly, it, it was a good thing for me because, I like, working at, a job like that coming from like working in the military and being in law enforcement, it was kind of a hit to my ego, but at the same time it was motivation because I knew I wasn't going to be there and I was just working there to serve a purpose to make, to go through a little shit to get a big reward. And the military taught me how to do that, honestly. Right. Suffer it out for a little bit to have a reward. And it did like, I would work at Walmart at night at like 10 o'clock at night to 6 in the morning, drive 45 minutes home, and then be right back at the shop at 12 o'clock or actually 1130. Wow. And I worked 18 to 20 hours a day for over a year to make that shit happen because I put my trust and my faith in my mentor and it paid off for me. How exhausted were you? Totally exhausted always i'm still exhausted to this day from it (laughs) (laughs) so working 18 hours is almost i mean you think about that you say it out loud it's almost unrealistic um so what motivated you i mean obviously you seen a bigger picture at the end you knew what the reward was going to be to go through all of this but realistically, did you drink coffee? Did you drink energy drinks? When did you sleep? Like, what gave you energy to wake up? I don't even know when you woke up because I don't know when you slept. But what gave you the energy to go work at Walmart all night long and then go to the tattoo shop and still show up for your apprenticeship and still have, like, all the energy there to learn and absorb everything that you were learning? Where did that come from? Uh, that was a short answer. That is when Red Bull first came out with their blueberry Red Bulls. And I was down in those motherfuckers like it was water. <laughs> is that why you don't like blueberry Red Bull anymore? No, I love them. They're just, there's other flavors that are way better. Oh. Um, what motivated me is I needed that purpose. I, I have to have a purpose to, 
to want to continue. And out of all the dangerous situations I've ever been in in my life, there has to be a reason that I made it out of those. And, like, I have a purpose, and I had to find out what that purpose is. Okay. Number two, the motivation, I had to get the fuck out of Alabama. I couldn't bear to waste away in my hometown just like everybody else had. Mm-hmm. Especially after being in the military and seeing the world and going overseas and going so much of our country. Like, I just, I couldn't die in that, live and die in that town. Like, I had to get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, tattooing is really cool and you get it, you get out what you put in just like any small business. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's going to take a lot of sacrifice at the beginning, but you get what you put in. Yeah. So, like, I had to get the fuck out of Alabama. Not for any particular reason other than my own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, not like I was in trouble or anything running from anybody, but... Right. It's, I had to get out of there, and I knew there was just so much more to this world and even this country than that little bitty old narrow-minded place. That's fair. So, obviously, you were on an episode of Life of a Small Biz Mama, Um, where, you know, I talk about running my small business and being a parent and how I navigate, um, being a mom, being a stay at home mom and how I work that into my day to day with being able to run my business and show up for my business. So for the people listening that are interested, um, in the tattoo and are interested in getting into the tattoo industry, or any sort of industry that is kind of similar, what advice would you give them um, for people that do have children during that transition period that you were talking about where you were working a full-time job and also kind of full-time working, you know, learning how to be a tattoo artist. You said you were dedicating at least 18 hours a day. But at that time you were single, you didn't have any kids you know, what advice would you give to people that are interested in doing the same thing, but do have children? Uh, realize what your motivation is. Like, you know, obviously I didn't have our daughter or a child back then, but my Mm -hmm. motivation was I had to get the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. And that is what motivated me. I had to have a purpose. I needed to do something cool with my life because I'd already lived my dreams out. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I couldn't just have a normal job i had to, i had to work for myself essentially right uh what what would motivate me now yes it would be difficult to do all of that stuff if i was a parent but that's not that should motivate you to want to do those things even right. more to better your situation for your child yeah uh, and people could tell you all day long oh if i had a kid i couldn't do that yeah, you could. There's people, there's fucking single moms that work full-time job and go to school at the same time. And that is the same exact thing as an apprenticeship was, is schooling, is hands-on schooling. Mm-hmm. And not just that, I had to learn stuff in books, too. Right. Uh, it can be done. You just got to realize what your... Reason is. Yeah, your reason. I call it I my why. It, it would probably be easier for me to do all that shit had I had a child and needed to do these things to better my child's life and not just my own. I like to, like for me, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, like my days feel never ending and I'm exhausted, I always remember my why. Why am I doing it? Mm -hmm. Why, Why do I want to see my business be successful? 
why am I putting all the energy into it? And my reason, my why right now is my family, my daughter. And I feel like no matter what your circumstances, whether you have children or not, no matter what you're wanting to do in life, the energy and the motivation mm-hmm. comes from your why. You'll figure it out. And another thing is, is like when you were saying like when I was in my apprenticeship, I'm working 18 to 20 hours a day. Yeah, it's really hard at the beginning, but your body gets used to that shit too. And yeah. granted, I was younger, but like you're, if you're in a routine, your body's going to get, I mean, it's, it wasn't like a drag every single day for a year. Like I got used to it. Mm-hmm. And then when I started learning and picking up stuff, it motivated me even more so your why or your motivation can change and it's okay for it to change during that because mm-hmm. it should you shouldn't just keep the same motivation because you could get burned out on that right oh well i well you know i'm doing this for my kids well maybe i can just do this and they'll still be okay like right. your 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 why's can change or you can add new ones on top of them yeah as you like just grow right. in now, life like, you were young you were 24 right. and you know um you're older now mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm sure within that the, from when you first started to now your whys oh, yeah, you 100%. probably added a few more whys mm-hmm. and maybe your original why isn't the Taking same away. reason yeah. and and yeah i just feel like having a why is it is so so that for instance like when i first started and i first got out here to colorado I have people back home that tell me, oh, I'd be, you'll, you won't make it a month out there and you'll be back home. I've been out of Alabama for eight years now. And when I first came out here, that was a big motivation for me to prove everybody wrong. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have to prove shit to anybody. Like those motherfuckers can go kiss my ass. The same, <laughs> the same, some bitches that were saying, oh, you're never going to do anything. You'll be back in a month or still working at McDonald's while I've out here lived my life. So, like, my why as to proving them wrong, I don't, that that fucker's out the window, but, like, you can add more on top of that. Now, like, I want to give my daughter, like, a why for me now is I want to give my daughter something to be proud of me for, you know, be be excited to say, hey, my dad's a tattooer instead of, like, oh, well, my, or not even talk about what their parents do. I want my daughter to be excited about it. Okay, now that we know how your, like, your background and how you got into the tattoo industry, um, how long have you been uh, tattooing professionally, not including your apprenticeship? How long now? Not including the apprenticeship, nine years. But including the apprenticeship, ten years? Yeah, ten years. Ten years. So, within these last nine, ten years of tattooing professionally, how many tattoo shops have you worked in and in which states did you tattoo in? So four altogether. Four shops altogether? Yeah, one in Alabama, one in Nevada, and then two out here in Colorado. Okay, and where are you at currently? Colorado. No, <laughs> what <laughs> tattoo shop are you tattooing in currently? Well, <laughs> we were kind of both here, so sworn oath tattoo in Arvada, Colorado. Nice. And how long have you been there? Uh, Almost 10 months. Nice. Do you like it? I love it. It's a great shop. Yeah. So recently you started working for yourself. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that means when you're a tattoo artist and what that means when, when you work for yourself in the tattoo industry? So that basically 
<clears throat> means there's two ways that everybody goes about working in a shop. You're either on a percentage base or you're a booth rental. And I just recently went to a booth rental, which basically means I just pay a fee and I show up when I want to, when I have appointments. So, so it's on me what I do. So you make your own schedule? Yes. And your appointment only. So would you say working this way and like being on a booth rental to where you don't have to be there a set schedule, you can just show up when you have appointments. Do you think that's pretty similar like as far as running a small business? Like would you say that you're you're like your own business owner now? Yeah, because I have to show up or nobody's going to show up for me. It's on me to market myself. It's on me to gain clientele, to clean my area, to keep track of the money that I'm making. It's everything is all on me now. Nobody, it's not on anybody else. Okay. How do you go about, so if you're not in the tattoo shop waiting for people to walk in, you know, a lot of artists mm-hmm. are walk-in artists. How are you gaining clientele when you're not necessarily in the shop all the time? Well, luckily for me, my work is a walking advertisement. So a lot of it is by word of mouth and people seeing my work on their friends and then their friends refer them to me and that and social media. Instagram is a big one, too. Um, Being with you, I've gotten to, you know, experience your career firsthand, meaning like I've gotten to hang out in the tattoo shop with you wherever that was where you were working at the time, but also I've gotten to, to be involved and be around like when you work tattoo conventions. Um, how many conventions have you worked? Uh, let's see. I'd say five or six, maybe seven. Tattoo. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to keep up with them all being in different states and, you know. Do you like doing conventions? Because it's kind of like it's kind of like when I do um, like vendor events mm-hmm. at like festivals. There's a lot of work that goes into them, and I've experienced burnout in my career before. Now I'm getting over that hump, which is it's totally fun to be burned out. You just gotta readjust your <clears throat> your reasons and your motivations as to why you want to do this career. Uh, they're good for marketing putting yourself out there uh Mm -hmm. creating contacts right it's you just network right it's a plus but it's a lot of work to not only to go there and tattoo but all the work that goes into it beforehand all the licensing and uh, fees that you have to pay you have to be caught up on all these regulations your bloodborne pathogens Mm -hmm. making sure your machines are tuned right you have your business cards, your banner, your pre-drawings on top of mm-hmm. tattooing people every single day and then trying to balance your work life and home life on top of having a small child. It's it's a lot. So mm-hmm. yes and no, I like them, but I think I'm going to slow down on them for a little bit. Yeah. Um, everything you're saying is really 
similar to, you know, having a small business and working vendor events. Like if you've worked a vendor event before, you know that you have to get, first you have to get all your products made. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of prep work. You have to make your business cards, any flyers that you're going to have. You have to decide how you're going to have your table set up. Um, it's a lot of work. It you you don't realize. It's a lot of behind the scenes. Yeah, a lot of behind the scenes. Lots of prepping. Sometimes. And I'm like, for you, I know that you have to also prepare like with mm-hmm. your supplies as far as like right. making sure you have enough ink, mm-hmm. making sure you have enough tubes, needles, and not only that, saran wrap. Transporting all that shit to the event. Sometimes that can be tricky, especially with inks. Mm-hmm. I've been to. When I, well, not at a convention, but when I moved to Colorado and when I got here and got all my tattoo equipment out, everything was ruined because my inks exploded and got all over everything. Oh, gosh. So that's another process. Uh, you know, I had to take that. Right. You know. To uh, to be able to buy some more. Right. Yeah. So it is It is a lot of work. And it's, I guess, yeah, it is very similar to running a business. Mm -hmm. Um, you have to, if you want to see yourself succeed and you want to see that growth, you know that you have to put in that work and you have to put in the effort. Like it's not going to just happen for you overnight. It's just not, you know, I feel like a lot of the times people will look at your success, whether it's, um, whether that's, you know, with tattooing, whether that's whatever career you choose and you become successful, people only see that Mm -hmm. and they think that it comes by luck. Like, oh, you're so lucky you got to do this or you're so lucky your business is doing so well or you're so lucky you're such a successful um, tattoo artist. But what they don't see is all of the behind the scenes Mm -hmm. of hard work that it took to get to that point. There, um, there was a time that I would stay up to 3, 4 o'clock in the morning every night drawing. Mm-hmm. And that's actually just went away since the baby was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's a lot that goes into it. And I've had people say, oh, you're so lucky you're out in Colorado doing it. Luck had nothing to fucking do with it. It's hard work and determination to do it. How do you balance fatherhood and your career and continuing to be a provider for our family? Well, before I went to Booth Rental, it was a little bit harder because I had to be at the shop for a certain amount of time. But it helps a lot, us both being here and together. Meaning like you can create your own schedule to be here more? No, no, what I, yes, but what I mean by that is we're together. We don't live separately. We're married. Oh, yeah. Uh, That helps a lot because there's sometimes that we just take turns and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, but a lot of it is just taking advantage of the time that I have mm-hmm. when she is asleep or taking a nap, mm-hmm. just like she's supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> yeah, she. we actually just um, laid her down for her second nap, but uh, we're watching her on the monitor and she is just playing in her bed. It does look like she's about to... T- is that my pillow? She grabbed my <laughs> pillow from my from the my side of the bed. <laughs> This girl, we still share a bedroom with our daughter. Um, she has her own room, but she sleeps in our room. That's where her bed is. And her bed is positioned right next to our bed. And she is such a big girl now. She can reach over <laughs> and she pulled my pillow from my side of the bed into her bed. <laughs> Anyways. No, but um, to go further into that question, a lot of it is like with being a father and being at home, 
I'm home way more than I am at work now. So <clears throat> determining when to take the time to get work done at home and spend time with my daughter. I try to do the most that I can while she is napping or asleep for the night. Because <clears throat> me and you, we've been together for so long, we can spend time together right beside each other without having to say a word or watching TV. Like, yeah. I can draw and you can work on what you need to work on, and we're still spending time together. Right. Um, But I'd say that, and luckily, I mean, I get to do what I do for a living, so mm -hmm. I'm kind of blessed with that. But also, like for me personally and in this career, I don't wait till the last fucking minute to to get an artwork together yeah i can't i just can't do that like there's some artists that will work on your artwork the night before your tattoo i know some artists that'll work on it while you're there for your appointment i can't do that my anxiety would just rip me a new one <laughs> i have to pre-plan and i think a lot of that comes with the military also having i'm just structured in that way i have to have a game plan before i go into anything mm -hmm. but pre-planning and taking advantage of the time that you have yeah so okay so let's go over your titles so you're a veteran you're prior law enforcement you're a professional tattoo artist you're a husband and i i think i would say that you're a part-time stay-at-home dad because you are able to create your own schedule and with that you're able to be home a lot more but also I recently started working a part-time job. I work on the weekends. I work Saturdays and Sundays. With, I do graveyard shifts because, um, you know, you still work on Saturdays and Sundays throughout the day. And when you get home from work, that's when I go to work for the night. Mila doesn't even know, hardly know that I'm gone. But, I mean, you are home. It's just the two of you um, from the evening all through the night into the morning. What is that like for you? Uh, the first night, I was terrified. <laughs> it was, that was so scary. And that was your first night alone with, with yes. her, right, since she's been born? Because mm -hmm. I've always been here. Yeah, that was, that was terrifying. <clears throat> but then it, it just got easier and easier, obviously, just with anything you do yeah. over and over. I love it. It's our little time together to just me, to just do me and her. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll take her for a walk or, you know. Mm-hmm just do different stuff with her but it's our time to bond together just me and her yeah i've been um it's been nice seeing the two of you together and and i am really proud of you seeing you um tackle fatherhood and you handle you handle bath time you handle getting dinner ready for her you get her ready for bed you know, you get up with her throughout the night and then in the mornings when I get home, um, there's still a few hours before she wakes up. So I, I do try to sleep a little bit, but you also handle breakfast. You get up with her in the morning, you handle breakfast and it is super helpful to me because I mean, I definitely need my rest, especially since during the day I take over so that you can go to work and then it's just... You know. I do do a lot, huh? Now that you say that, it's the second nature. What? To do all that stuff. But it, when you list it off, it does sound like a lot. It is a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot I, of work. It is a lot of work. I don't mind doing it, but I just, it doesn't, 
it just never registered, I guess. Yeah, I mean, being a parent is a lot of work, mm -hmm. especially when you're a working parent and you have other things going on. It's a balancing act, mm -hmm. definitely is. Do you feel like this is what you're going to retire doing? Do you see yourself doing anything else? I don't see myself retiring. I want to do this until the day I fucking die, honestly. Well, I hope you're not tattooing while you're all old and shaky. Oh, I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> not be on a, me. It'll be a novelty. Then. Not on my wrinkly skin. <laughs> Maybe that might help. You might, you know, shake over the little wrinkles. Have <laughs> <laughs> the veritose. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Veritose what? veins. I don't know. Purple veins in a lady's legs. Oh my god. <laughs> You're just assuming I'm going to have purple veins in my legs. <laughs> I think I kind of already do. They're like bluish. <laughs> Wes asked people on his Instagram. I asked people on my Instagram um, if they had any questions that they wanted him to answer on today's show. So I think we're going to end this episode by answering those questions asked by the people. Okay, first I'm going to start by asking you a question from me. <clears throat> what is it like being married to a small business owner? Uh, it's actually exciting because there's so many parallels between what I do and owning a small business, having to do all that shit. It's exciting because I get to watch you grow. Like, you've watched my career grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for answering that question. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, we have another question for you. This person asked, what was your favorite part of the military and what was your worst? My favorite part, it, this is, uh, this touches my heart in so many different ways, but my to answer that question would be the pride that I had the sense of accomplishment uh it's hard to get into the military and it's even harder to get into the military police corps but even to go further than that I come from a big military family and my grandfather was my hero and among my my actual father too but growing up from my earliest memories my grandfather used to take me on post and to the military installation and I would always see the MPs guarding the gates and they had the cool like, police cars and M16s and just everybody had to listen to what they had to say and like it was either their way or no way and it was as a kid to see that and like when my grandfather would go through the gate they would salute him so he was a higher ranking official than they were so to see that kind of respect mm -hmm. it was just really awing and I always tell my grandpa that's what I wanted to do. And he passed away when I was 16 and I joined when I was 18. And So the, he never got to see you join? He, he didn't get to see me in person, but there's a lot of correlations with my military career and his that kind of gives me the feeling that he he knows what was up. But yes, the sense of accomplishment that I had, like, to say from such a young age that that's what I wanted to do mm -hmm. and I fucking stuck it out and not only was I lucky enough to get in I was lucky enough to do that job and not only be selected to do it but to graduate it because it was it's a hard work yeah it wasn't easy 
So the second part of that question was, what was your worst part of the military service? My worst part, to be, to not go into it, I'll give a deep meaning and then a, just a short answer. The short answer was running. I hate fucking running. The only time I'm ever going to run is for my life. And <laughs> I don't, I probably ain't going to get far from that, but I hate, absolutely fucking hate running. Um, the more deeper question is not so much what you would think being in the military with like the PTSDs and uh, the things that you see in war and stuff like that. That wasn't as much as I lost a really good friend and he made it back from war. But what we witnessed was too much for him. To where he committed suicide. And that has really bothered me my whole life. And I just feel guilty from that because of all the life that I've got to live that he missed out on. And it's not fair because he's done this Mm -hmm. for so many people's freedoms and their rights. Mm -hmm. And nobody knows who he is. Yeah. And then like it's it's even more of a kick in the face to see how shitty our country is becoming and the the direction that it's going. Mm-hmm. And for all the people that sacrifice their lives yeah. that don't get to go home to their loved ones, that don't get to have children and yeah. experience the great and wonderful things that we do as business owners and parents. Mm-hmm. Like that guy he didn't get to experience any of that. Right. Well, everybody um, listening to this episode today, I'm sorry there's a siren going on in the background, um, but you just said that, you know, nobody is going to know mm-hmm. who he was. What? Well, not, now, now, not, that, now that we're talking right. about him, now everybody listening is going to know who he was. Who was he? His name is Specialist Scott, and I don't want this to sound bad, but where I came from... Like, in my hometown, it's just white people. And he was the first person in my unit to... Because I was never around any kind of diversity at all. And he was the first person in my unit when I got there to befriend me. And he was a black guy. And it was the first time I'd ever been around any, like I said, any kind of diversity was Mm -hmm. obviously, like, basic training. And then when I got to my unit, like, I was like, wow, this kid just, you know, he picked me out among from everybody else to be nice to and mm-hmm. kind of show me the ropes and yeah it was just a really good friend so let me just ask you a fun question what is your favorite kind of tattoo to do um i'm i'm lucky enough to get to do this damn profession and i don't have a favorite top i love to fucking tattoo I have a least favorite part of the bodies, least favorite parts of the body to tattoo, but I fucking love what I do, and I'm so blessed to get to do what I do. Uh, that is more of a meaningful answer. The short question, the short answer to that would be traditional, non, uh, neo-traditional. Is your favorite? Is my favorite because they just stand the test of time. 
But I just, I'm so fortunate. To, I don't, I fucking tattoo a pickle. I don't give a damn. It's just so much fun. Can you tattoo a pickle? No, I meant like tattoo a pickle on somebody. Oh. You could tattoo a pickle, yeah. <laughs> um, Haven't you tattooed a pickle? I've tattooed a pickle on somebody, yeah, yes. That's yes, what I mean. I've tattooed a lot of people, general managers and all that of our local firehouse subs. And I tattooed a pickle on them with a fireman's hat. That's great. but yeah i don't give a fuck what i'm doing i just i love what i do and i get to do this to provide for my family Mm -hmm. since you don't really necessarily have a favorite other than if you had to say traditional and neo Mm -hmm. traditional um what is do you have a least favorite style yeah that stupid fucking minimalist shit that shit isn't going to fucking hold those old tiny ass goddamn lines are so fucking dumb. <laughs> Quit being fucking faddish. It's just that's the same shit as a fucking tramp stamp tribal bullshit. It's just fads. All right. I hate that shit. <laughs> but I'm still thankful to do it to provide for my family. Awkward. At least I don't have to have a regular fucking job. I mean, if it came down to it, I'd tattoo that stupid bullshit all day long and with a smile on my face because I get to provide for my family doing it. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick the least favorite, it's that stupid shit because it don't <laughs> hold us. What are your least favorite parts of the body? First and foremost, the fingers. They're, just, it, they're hard as hell to tattoo. They don't hold in there well. So what I, you know, people are like, well, why are finger tattoos so expensive? They're so small. That's because I'm going to at least have to go over these things twice. So that's, you know, from a small, from a business standpoint, you're putting in twice the work and twice the amount of supplies Mm -hmm. for one amount of the price. Right. So for half price, essentially. Next question. Do you have a favorite tattoo that you've tattooed on yourself or on me? Not on myself. Fuck that shit. Uh, I did all mine in my apprenticeship, and they look like damn trash. But in the same sense, I'm not going to get them covered up because it shows me where I started from. Uh, my favorite's on you, obviously, the butterfly, and I did a tiger on your thigh. That yeah. It's a traditional tiger. Those two are definitely... Mm, your throat, though. Yeah, it's hard to say which ones are my favorite because I love them all. Um, there's a few that are unfinished, so I guess if I had a least favorite, it would be my unfinished ones, but I'm sure once they're finished, mm-hmm. they will become my favorites. Um, but definitely my tiger, the butterfly on my throat, and my hand tattoo, was, which is the newest one I've gotten, and that one was for our daughter. Um, those are probably my favorite. It's yeah. hard to say which one like is my favorite favorite, but those are definitely my top three. Yeah. What is your favorite part about being a girl dad? <laughs> Or what's the best thing about being a girl dad? Well, for one, I come from a big family of boys. So being a girl dad, like I had no idea what to expect. Um, But it's wonderful. And I think the best part of being a girl dad is to know that I'm responsible and showing her what a real man is and what she should expect out Mm -hmm. of a real man. Yeah. And I get to be that example for her for her life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most honorable and the best part of being a girl dad. So would you say like getting the privilege of just being her dad would be your favorite part about fatherhood? Or is there a different favorite part of fatherhood that you do have? 
these are all questions, by the way, that the questions that I'm asking him are all questions that you guys asked me to ask him. My favorite part of being girl dad is the responsibility that comes with that and showing her what a real man is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just showing her how the way that she should um, be treated. Right. Another question. I don't know if this question is for me. I don't know if my big head is just assuming it's for me or if it really is for you. But somebody asked, how does it feel to be a boss-ass bitch? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) It is exhausting being a boss-ass bitch. Tiring. It's worth it, though. Yeah. I mean. Worth it to be a boss-ass bitch? It is worth it to be a boss-ass bitch. So these other questions, um, these questions were actually asked addressing the both of us. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was, do we want any more babies? Yes, but not right now. For me personally, I I don't want another. I do want another child, mm-hmm. just not this minute. Not this nine months. Not. <laughs> I was going to say, well, I wouldn't be able to pop one out this not, minute. Not this nine months. So if we got pregnant right now. Uh, not this nine months. We've had Not this. this set of nine months. Okay, so if you were to... <laughs> so my answer to that is, yes, I do want more babies. Um, obviously, I guess not in this nine months. <laughs> if it was free, um, then yeah. I <laughs> kids are not free. But um, yeah, if I was not being realistic, I'd be like, let's go make a baby right now. But being realistic and taking account for um, financial, our income, and just being realistic with what my health is like right now because I am going through, you know, some pretty serious health issues. Um, Realistically, we would probably have to wait at least a year before revisiting this conversation about having another child. We've already talked about that we do want to have more children. We want to have one we don't want any more than two and that's, kids. And that's the whole fucking thing because I know you're going to be like, well, if we're having twins again. And it's freaking me the hell out. <laughs> Last like, time I, I scared him, I kept telling him, we're having twins I because I was so that. big. And it looked like it. I mean, geez. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's just a whole nother anxiety. Like it would be like the Twins damn, don't even run in our family it, and he's it, scared of us having it'd be twins. Our, like, we'd be the damn Doricos and popping out 14. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> no. no, I only want one other baby. If we happen to have twins, it's double the blessing and I would take it as it is and it's just meant <laughs> for us. I you would. <laughs> I would. We make cute babies. I'm not Who wouldn't that. want another Mila, okay? The there's little girl only, is adorable. I love her to death. Though. I know. There's only one. And everybody one says of a kind. the second one is the, uh, the, the hell kid. The hell kid? The hell child. That can't be true because Mila is wild. Well, imagine worse than her. No. Yeah. I wouldn't say worse. She's a toddler, okay? We all know how toddlers I, are. I get it, but. Anyways, yes, we do want more children. No, we're not going to have any children anymore right now. In the future, we do. We would like one more um, to give Mila a sibling. Mm -hmm. This question is, how do you both handle time management with a baby? This question, I feel like we kind of already touched on. I touched on on last week's episode with time management. I utilize nap times like nobody's Mm -hmm. business. I either work early in the mornings before she wakes up. Throughout the day, I work during her nap times. And at night, I work 
when she um, when she goes to bed. Uh, there are times, random times, that I there is urgent work that I need to do and she's not taking a nap and she's awake. And if I do absolutely need to work, um, we have a, a playpen, a pretty big 50 by 50 um, playpen that I'll put her in with all her toys. I'll have Miss Rachel on the TV to try and distract her for at least to give me an hour to do whatever I need to do. Um, I don't like doing that um, because I like to be able to be... I don't like I like to be able to be present and playing with her when when she is playing um, especially when she's doing um, when she's watching television Miss Rachel is our babysitter and all of her toys and putting her in her playpen and I think that you yeah it's not like she's unsupervised like we're sitting there watching her it's just our attention can be divided between her. Now it can be bet- divided between her and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to, like I said, like nap times, depending on if it's something smaller that I'm having to draw or if it's a project, I'll do it in the nap time or when she's asleep at night. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's kind of like a winding down phase too. Like yeah, I'm winding down from the day by doing this little bit of work that I have right. to get. You know, because mm-hmm. we won't, like, watch TV. We'll have music playing or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, if you're a parent and you don't have... Or if, if you're a parent and you don't have a child, well, how could you be a damn parent? <laughs> if you are not a parent and, like, looking from the outside, looking in, you would think that it would be really difficult, but it's just like with anything else in life. You find a way to make it happen. You just adjust it. Mm-hmm. You... you... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you work your responsibilities into your yeah. quote unquote schedule. Um, it's an it's like one of those things. No matter what you do in life, there's going to be obstacles. Mm-hmm. It's problem solving. Yeah. This is a problem I'm having. I need to get work done you and gotta, she's not taking a nap and I need to get it done right now. How am I going to problem solve you this? You got to adapt and overcome. Yeah. Okay. Here is another one for us. How do you go about your life slash your dreams changing when you are expecting or trying to raise a baby? So for me personally, my dreams have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when you're a teenager, you have dreams or when you're a kid, you have dreams of becoming a doctor. Then when you're a teenager, those dreams change into whatever you want to go to college for. And then when you're in your 20s, sometimes what you went to college for, you don't even end up doing. I went to, not many people know this. Not only did I go to real estate school, I also went to college to be a veterinary technician and I graduated. I have not done that career. Because, and did, yeah, you did. Well, I did, did it for it. like a short period of time, but. But that's the whole is, thing. Is it the it's thing is like, like you're constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. As, an, as a person in your own personal life, you know, you hit different milestones within your life and your dreams constantly I think change it's a and lot evolve. Of, a lot of pressure to be like, oh, well, you should, you need to know what you want to do for the rest of your fucking life right out of high school. And like, that's just programmed into us. So we like try to figure out, oh, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But I mean, the same with me, like I was in mm-hmm. the military, I was in law enforcement. Yeah. I had no, if you would have told me 15, 16, 17 years ago that I'd be, a tattoo artist in Denver, Colorado with dreadlocks, I'd probably try to fucking arrest your ass. Like, because <laughs> you're on something, but 
yeah having that open mind too like this is like if I wouldn't have done if I wouldn't have transitioned and taken that gamble I wouldn't have what I have now I wouldn't have my wife I wouldn't have my house I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. my cars I wouldn't have my daughter all the things that are very important to me and all the crazy shit I've gotten to experience in my life from this career I wouldn't have if I wouldn't have taken that gamble Uh, but navigating that all changing when you have a child like that just goes back to what we were talking about earlier is your motivations Mm mm-hmm uh, right before we found out we were having Mila, I was really burnt out and, and tattooing, tattooing, really burnt out. And you know this, mm-hmm. uh, but like when we found out we were pregnant, like my motivation changed. I'm like, shit, I ain't, I ain't got time to be burnt out. Like mm-hmm. I've got to provide. And then like going through that again, like earlier, you go right. through a little bit of shit to get a reward. Right. I went through that period and just had to reassess and reevaluate mm-hmm. what my whys are and why am I motivating and what's going to motivate me to want to be better. So when we were expecting, did the thought ever cross your mind like, I may or may not be able to nope. tattoo anymore? Nope. Absolutely like you knew not. like I was still going to do I this. Go, the I'd, fact that we're having a child is not changing the right, fact that this is I'd what my career is. I'd go pick up fucking cans and get a second job and all that shit before I'd ever give up tattooing. I've put mm-hmm. my all into this shit for the past decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been rewarding. I've, like I said, I've got to experience so many crazy things. Like flying in a helicopter above Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of the craziest recreational things that I've ever done. And could have never dreamed that that ever happened. Right. You know, s- sipping champagne, getting drunk, singing country music. You know couple hundred feet above the strip like I could have never dreamed of that shit happening to me and all the other things that mean you've got to experience over you know Mm -hmm. the past eight years like I think um, there's there's no option of that changing for me like it was I would have to do something else alongside that but I'm not giving it up so I think the the biggest thing that I feel like you have to remember is that change is inevitable and as you grow as an individual as you hit different milestones within your life marriage um, all that kind of stuff change is inevitable and all the change you've already experienced in you in your life you've learned how to adapt to so like if you're if you recently got married that's a big change in your life And you've learned how to adapt to having a partner and making decisions with another person and sharing your life with another person. So when you're growing your family, it's a big change, but you're going to adapt to it within how your life is as it is. And you're just going to learn how to include it into your life, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And um, yeah, change is scary. Change is scary because of the unknown of what's going to come with that change. You have no idea. And obviously, it's scary. I mean, you were scared Mm -hmm. to even have a child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mentioned in uh, the previous episode, I begged this man for eight years to give me a baby. If he would have told me, let's have a baby when we first started dating, I would have been like, yes. Immediately, yes. Um, I'm an, I'm a very impatient person and I like to get ahead of myself 
Wes, you're a very patient person. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taught me a lot of patience. And why, why did you want to wait so long? What was so scary for you about um, bringing a child in to this world together, but also just bringing a child into this world? Well, I obviously didn't know what to expect. And two, I didn't know if I'd be as good of a parent or father as my parents and dad are and were. Uh, that's a lot of... I felt like that was a big responsibility, but it's really not. It's... It is a sacrifice to be a parent, but it should be a sacrifice that you're not only willing to make, but you want to make for that child Mm -hmm. because you have so much love for them that you only want the best for them. Old Wes would be, was terrified about Mm -hmm. having a child. New Wes, if you ask him, he 10 out of 10 recommends it to anybody that... The best thing I've ever been a part of, ever created. Mm -hmm. My greatest work of art. So... Yeah, just figuring out how to tie our daughter in to our lives. It it's really just if, been effort. It's, it's it been an feels, effortless experience because it's not like something we're trying no. to do, trying to make it work. It's just It's weird to think about times that she wasn't here. Yeah. Like when we think about who we were and just like our life before having our daughter, it's weird to even think that there was a time where she didn't mm-hmm. exist. Just because she is so... She's the perfect fit. Yeah, she just fits... She meshes well with our us. I mean, she's mm-hmm. she's us. She's half of us formed <laughs> into one person. So she just meshes really well. And not only that, like with my small business, even though I do a lot of work when she is taking a nap, that doesn't mean that I don't include her in what I do because she comes with me anytime I go up to Blackhawk to stock the storefront. She's right there. Post office. Anytime I go to the post office, she's coming with me. Anytime I have to go um, to the go buy inventory, she's with me. Vendor events. She's there with me, mainly sitting in a wagon somewhere eating snacks. And um, yeah, she's just, she's just great. She really is. She just, she is the perfect, um, she was like the missing puzzle piece that we didn't know we were missing until we found her (laughs) and she fits so well into our, our piece of artwork that we've created together. And um, another thing is we got, me and you got to experience each other in our marriage for a while and got to do a mm -hmm. lot of things that we wanted to do. Mm Mm-hmm for a while before we brought a child in and that was some advice that I was given that has really really been beneficial because we already knew how to navigate living with each other and the each you know what that details like you know each other's temperaments we already had all that shit figured out yeah. We already knew that we were compatible and all this shit before we even brought a child in. And that's another reason I wanted to wait. Because I don't want to bring a child into this world and put them in a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to bring a child into this world, I want them to be in a... I want them to have an even better childhood than I did. And I'm one of the lucky ones that had a great childhood. Right. And that, I, I mean, doesn't everybody want that? You know, everybody they that should. has children should want... better more for their children and that doesn't mean materialistic wise that doesn't mean giving them the biggest house the biggest room all the toys in the world like that's not what we mean what we mean is just being emotionally available 
being, just being ready to be everything that she needs, that's what we mean. If your dreams don't scare you, you're not dreaming big enough. Yeah. And like you said, change is scary, mm -hmm. but every fucking time that I have been scared to do something, for one, I've done it, and two, it's been so beneficial for me. Being scared to do something, like something that you want to do is your just your body's reaction to the unknown, mm -hmm. but something that you should, like, even though you feel scared about it, you should do it. Because if you didn't feel scared about it, it wouldn't be a risk and reward. I definitely don't think that your dreams should stop when you have children. No. I think maybe your timeline might yeah. change a little bit. You know, it may not... You might see people progress faster than you do, mm -hmm. but that, that doesn't mean anything. They're yeah, that doesn't journey. mean that you can't do anything because you have children. It just means that your timeline is going to change a little bit and there may be a few obstacles that you're going to have to problem solve, but that's life. Yeah. And whether it's a child creating obstacles or... Um, delaying your progression or whether that's your health or whether that's um, something else, right. you know, there's always going to be obstacles in your life. Um, but in order to grow, you have to learn how to problem solve and overcome those right. obstacles and adapt to change. And you shouldn't get caught up on the fucking stuff that really doesn't matter. Like, you know, like how many followers you might have on Instagram. Because mm -hmm. all that shit don't fucking matter. Yeah. It really don't. There's numbers that are put up on a screen. Yeah. If it's not feeding you and your purpose or your family. Yeah. Figuratively and literally. Then it doesn't fucking matter. Just like in the military, you never, ever, ever give up. You honestly, if you, if you were to give up because of a, a delay in your progression you're only missing out on the opportunities yeah. that you keep yourself from. So, and also too, like the way I like to look at it, you know, with my small business, everybody gets discouraged. I'm human. I do get discouraged uh, with my progression, but also I have to remember my why. Why am I doing it? And I, when my daughter grows up and she's older, I want her to look back on her childhood and remember how hard her mommy and her daddy worked to show her that she could do anything that she sets her mind to and no matter what don't yeah. give up because the, the only thing that's going to hold you back is yourself yeah exactly and if you're afraid to fail you're never going to do anything because if you only win or only do the right thing you're you're not mm -hmm. learning anything also you need to fail the biggest thing that i like to tell people that are thinking about having children or people that are expecting children, if you're scared of whether or not you're going to be a good parent, automatically that makes you a good parent yeah. because shitty parents do not give a shit about whether they're going to be good parents or not. They honestly don't. But the parents that are going to be amazing parents do give a shit and it's something they worry about. So if you're worried about having children, you're going to be great. <laughs> You're going to be great parents because the fact that you even care if you're going to be good says a lot about the type of parent yeah. you're going to be. And that goes back to I know that I, there's going to be times that I make mistakes in it, but mm -hmm. 
we're not perfect. We're not perfect. You're human. And that's the whole, that's the beauty of it. You need to make mistakes so you learn lessons. Yes. Thank you guys to everybody who asked those questions. Those were really good questions. Mm -hmm. Um, This episode is obviously a little bit longer than my other two episodes, but I think this was a really good one. I feel like we really got good things to talk about in this episode. Um, I think we're going to end it there. Uh, Wes, thank you so much for being on episode three of Life of a Small Biz Mama. How did you enjoy being on the show? Uh, Again, I just... I'm really regretting, or not regretting, but I'm just, I just, can't, I, I hate to hear the sound of my voice. He low key really <laughs> likes his voice. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, when I'm drunk and singing country music. When he gets drunk, like he likes to sing country music. That's how I know when he's drunk <laughs> because he turns into a country singer. And it, the it's funny, but not funny. He's actually really good. <laughs> but he'll I'm own, making fun. I've heard that shit all my life. I'm I know he says he's him. making fun of it, but really low key. I think he sings when he's alone. I got cowboy boots that you have no idea about. He wears them just them yeah. cowboy boots and nothing else. <laughs> oh, I would love to come home and see that. Hear you singing country music. <laughs> Wearing your well, cowboy like, boots. Achy, breaky heart or something. I don't know. That <laughs> fucking Tennessee whiskey, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening to episode three of Life of a Small Biz Mama with Wes. If you would like to check out Wes's instagram that's where his portfolio is you could see all of his artwork he's also opening up commissions um he does caricature caricatures is that how you say it yeah caricatures where he turns your family photos into simpson characters a simpson scene rick and morty he also does bob burg bob's burgers um and he's opening up his commissions because it he gets a lot of them around the holiday season so if you're interested in getting one of those done yeah, not, for christmas yeah if you want to do it if you want to get one of those as a christmas present for your loved one or for yourself whatever um he is opening up his commissions uh what is your instagram it's at Westmain, W-E-S-M-A-N-E. You can DM him um, for interest on that. You can also DM him if you're interested in getting a tattoo. He is booking a September and October. And yeah, I think that's a wrap. Next week's episode um, is going to be the top things that I wish I knew before I started my small business. So keep a lookout for updates on that one. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll catch up with you guys next week.